Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey, Las Vegas. How you doing, everyone? Happy Thursday to you. We are in the midst of the NFL's free agency. There's some moving and shaking going on there. We had a walkout yesterday at schools across the country. The CIA has a new director and more all coming up on today's program. Thanks for being here. I am Crystal Heath. This is The Fertile Show on 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church, where our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. If you would like to join us for services Sunday morning, we have those at 930 and 1115. Okay, I'm just going to touch on free agency real quick, because I know not all of you care about football why I'm not really sure, but uh, there's there's more to talk about on the other t- two main issues that I want to get to. So, the big news of free agency, of course, is that Kirk Cousins, formerly Redskins quarterback, has gone to the Vikings. Drew Brees, there was some speculation about him, but he has officially re-signed with the Saints. Case Keenum of the Vikings is headed to Denver. Michael Sherman is joining Garoppolo in San Francisco as John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan build a little powerhouse over there. Uh, The Rams' defense looks to be unstoppable as they have picked up Aqib Tlaib and, um, oh, I can't think of his name, the the Chiefs cornerback. Um, I can't think of his name. So those those are like the big moves so far that have happened in free agency. If you cared about football, then you might want to Google your team because odds are you're going to have some new unfamiliar faces or maybe some familiar faces coming into this season. And that's all I have to say about free agency. See, I told you it would be short, sweet, simple. So let's talk about school walkouts. Yesterday, if you watch any kind of news media, I'm sure you heard about this. Nationwide, students from public high schools took 17 minutes to leave their classrooms, go outside. Many of them held up signs uh, to remember the 17 victims of the Florida school shooting and protest, essentially, Americans owning guns. I looked for numbers on nationally how many students participated. I looked yesterday. I looked today. I still can't find any good ones. I don't think that... Well, I'm I'm not going to say I don't think they exist because I'm sure they do, but I haven't been able to find them. I'm guesstimating it's thousands. The number that I could find was that 2,800 schools, uh, high schools participated. And when I found that number, I thought, wow, that's not that many. Now, granted, 2,800 seems like a lot. 2,800 schools seems like a lot. But in the entire country, there are over 26,000 public schools, 10,000 private, over 10,000 private schools. Between public and private high schools, you're looking at about 37,000 schools. 
of the 37,000 plus high schools in America, 2,800 participated. Which again, it's a high number, but when you look at this across the board, it was not as prevalent as some would have you believe. And of those 2,800 schools, not every student in high school participated in these walkouts. As to what I think about them, the ones that were the ones that were peaceful, uh, I, I fully support them in their walkout. If this is something that their school administrators are allowing them to do, and they believe that this will help them advance whatever issue it is that they believe in, um, you know, I, if you have something you think that our culture should be talking about, and you have a peaceful way to communicate your point, then I say go for it. I I didn't have an issue with the walkouts themselves. I. I think that peaceful demonstration is a part of our society, and even if I disagree with the point that's being made by it, as long as that's what's happening, if, you're, if your school's allowing you to do this, and you think that this is going to affect social, cultural change that you think needs to be made, okay. It's kind of like the um, we had a March for Life here in Las Vegas on Saturday. It's a peaceful way to communicate a point about cultural social change we think should be made i think that's a good thing now there were school walkout demonstrations that were not uh peaceful that were not uh constructive incidents where we saw entire classes stomping on the american flag and leaping onto police cars and committing acts of vandalism no i don't approve of those but overall most of the kids that participated in these things, it was just a peaceful demonstration. What I'm concerned about mostly with this is what we're focusing on with this walkout because I think that our students or the students that participated in this are being used as political pawns without even realizing it because I don't think they're on on the large scale being presented with both sides of the story, if you will. Why would I say this? Because there was no walkout when Steve Scalise was shot, when a gunman shot up a congressional baseball game. There was no walkouts. There were no walkouts when eight people were plowed down with a truck in New York City. There's no school walkouts nationally for the millions of babies that are murdered each year. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, I get that these students are students, and so what they're trying to bring attention to is is something they feel rightfully so, very concerned about, which would be school shootings. But if you actually look at the photos, many of the photos of the kids that participated in this event, I don't even know that many of them understood or thought through why they were walking out. I mean, there were signs about about gun violence, but there were also many signs about reparation and rights of Native Americans and demilitarizing the police and so on. Plus, I saw one that said, Quote, the Second Amendment doesn't give you the right to protect yourself, unquote. Well, okay, that's sort of true, but also not really. The Second Amendment isn't about hunting, and it isn't about self-defense per se, but it is about being able to defend yourself from a tyrannical government. And I don't think that any of our founders, uh, if, if asked, would have been like, yes, that is correct. You should not have a gun to be able to defend yourself. No, um, our founders own guns. And a lot of them shot guns at British people 
who were invading their what they felt was their land and trampling on their rights, and so they shot back. So I would think that they probably felt that the Second Amendment did have at least a little bit of an issue with self-defense in at least the aspect of defending yourself from a tyrannical government. So I think that there's just some real confusion surrounding this whole issue, especially with our young people. And I think they're only being presented uh, one side of the gun issue. I don't think that the the aspect of self-defense is clearly presented. I don't think that the numbers are accurately represented when it comes to the number of people uh, murdered with firearms versus the number of people that are able to prevent murder with firearms. Those, that conversation is not happening on a wide scale in our country. And so I think what we were seeing yesterday was a reaction uh, that's, that's generated from fear. Fear both of something tragic like this happening in their own school, which is very understandable, but also fear of firearms in general, which I think is misguided. But you know what? I can disagree with the premise that getting rid of guns will make us safer, because quite frankly, history agrees with me, while still respecting the rights of these young people to peacefully express their opinions in this way. It's just that this issue is so political that we're pushing this blanket solution that if we just get rid of the guns, then we won't have any more problems. But most problems like this generally don't have a simple solution. Sure, one plus one equals two, but this is not a simple mathematical equation. This is an issue of constitutional rights and of honestly a lot of misinformation about guns and gun owners and gun violence, both in school and out of school. Here's two, two examples for you. A story you probably missed, a story you probably didn't hear about, but a story not very far from us here in Las Vegas at all. In St. George, Utah, where all of us used to drive not too long ago just to be able to get Chick-fil-A and Cracker Barrel, which, blessings upon us, are now here in Las Vegas. But we've all, everybody, I don't know anyone in Las Vegas that hasn't been to St. George. It's, it's where we go. A teenager at a St. George high school was charged, was it this last week? Last week, charged with bringing a homemade bomb to the school. The school was evacuated for two hours. Authorities have charged this young man, not simply with bringing a bomb to school, but also for raising the ISIS flag at another high school in Utah and for writing ISIS is coming on his high school. So he was arrested and booked into a detention center on charges of manufacture, possession, sale, use, or attempted use of weapons of mass destruction. The police said 
that their investigation confirmed that it was that that this bomb, which by the way, the reason that no one was hurt was because this the backpack that he had in him started emitting smoke, which prompted an evacuation of the school. If it hadn't malfunctioned, it likely could have caused severe injury and death. I told you, I think it was last week, about the student in Maryland who had grenades and landmines and was also potentially working on creating homemade bombs. See, I understand the misplaced fear of guns because I, because these stories we don't tell for some reason. We don't talk about the kid who was raising the ISIS flag, painted or spray painted ISIS is coming on his school and brought a homemade bomb to school. And the only reason that it didn't explode and become national news is because it malfunctioned. For some reason, it doesn't make national news that a Maryland high schooler somehow got a hold of grenades and landmines and was planning horrible things at his school. We don't hear about the incidents that are prevented. Particularly when those incidents don't involve firearms. Point being, even if we get rid of guns, it will not solve the problem because guns themselves cannot and have never killed anyone. People kill people. It takes a person to pull the trigger for someone to die. For someone to be murdered requires a murderer. And getting rid of guns, it may seem like a good solution. It might even be a good solution. But it's not going to solve the issue of evil that resides in the hearts of mankind. There's only one solution for that and his name is Jesus Christ my second example comes from the Wall Street Journal this was published in the Wall Street Journal just yesterday here's the headline Navy medics get prepared for combat with tour of duty in Chicago Cook County Hospital still offers rare training experience And then they go on to tell the story of a, of a sailor named Conrad Poplowski, a 22-year-old Navy hospital corpsman who's about to be deployed as a battlefield medic with the 2nd Marine Division, which has served in Iraq and Afghanistan. But first, he's making a pit stop at Cook County's Stroger Hospital, which the Navy says is among few places here in the United States that provide experience treating the types of wounds he will inevitably see on the battlefield. The Navy says that they've been testing this program for three years where they send new corpsmen to this hospital to prepare them for battlefield combat. 
because if they go to Stroger Hospital's trauma center, the 14-bed unit treats over 6,000 trauma patients yearly, many of them with penetrating, life-threatening wounds akin to those found on the battlefield. 30% of patients at Stroger Hospital in Chicago's near west side are admitted to the trauma ward with wounds from firearms. The doctor who chairs the trauma and burn surgery unit at the hospital said the experience here can't be replicated elsewhere unless you have a major land invasion. Wow. 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 (laughs) Again, why is this not an issue that we are talking about in our national news? I'm not downplaying at all. The fact that we have these school shootings, they are horrible, they are evil, and there are many uh, things that I think that we can and should be looking at bipartisanly that we can do uh, to to make things better. But I talked about that in a podcast, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. You can go listen to that on my iTunes and SoundCloud. I'm not going to rehash that. What I'm saying is maybe, maybe that shouldn't be the only thing that we focus on. Yeah, we should be doing something about that. But why are we not talking about the fact that the U.S. Navy is training Navy corpsmen by sending them to a Chicago hospital because at this hospital, the experience that you get on staff there is unparalleled unless there was a major land invasion in the United States. That is an unbelievable statement. That in the United States, in our country, right now, every day, there is a hospital where people being treated there on a daily basis is comparable, uh, if you will, basically to a mass unit. Where they're basically pulling people off the front lines of the battlefield called Chicago. And we are sending our Navy corpsmen here to train. Why are we not talking about the fact that in the last six years, over 170 children have been killed in shootings in Chicago? Why are we not talking about this? Why are we not talking about that in Chicago? As of this past Monday, 414 people have already been shot. This year. And oh, by the way, in Chicago, homicides tend to peak in the summer months. We haven't even gotten to the bad part yet. The victims in Chicago thus far... This year, a 9-year-old female, a 15-year-old male, a 17-year-old male, a 16-year-old male, a 17-year-old male, a 14-year-old female, a 13-year-old female, another 13-year-old female, a 15-year-old male, a 14-year-old male, a 17-year-old male, a 15-year-old male, a 6-year-old female, a 13-year-old female, a 16-year-old male, a 17-year-old male, 
Um, and those, those are just the children killed in Chicago so far this year. Oh, excuse me. That's not even that's not all of them. That's just since February 21st. That's the 50 most recent. The Chicago Tribune keeps a running tally of the people killed in Chicago each year and there is a list you can go through. They have the victims of the 50 most recent shootings and stories related to each one. There's a, there's a webpage on the Chicago Tribune dedicated to shooting victims in Chicago because that's how bad it is. But not only are there no school walkouts for the dozens of children killed in Chicago each year, but when you talk about things like gun violence in Chicago and how maybe we should talk about gun violence on a broader scale than just simply school shootings, and, and you know maybe we should talk about how gun laws... Maybe how criminals don't keep those laws because Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the country and yet they have 414 people already shot this year. When you try to have that conversation, somehow that's irrelevant and you're just uneducated. No, it's it's very relevant. It's incredibly relevant. It's crucial to understanding that simply making more laws or marching with more signs about how guns are evil, and if we would just make laws and take them away, then this would stop. It won't stop. That's not the answer. Chicago is proof. The student in Utah who brought a homemade bomb to school is proof. The student in Maryland who had landmines and grenades is proof that evil resides in the hearts of mankind. And no matter what we do, no matter what laws we enact, there is no law that can wipe away evil. Does that mean that we shouldn't do anything? That we shouldn't have conversations? No, it doesn't. We should have conversations. We should have real conversations that include not only talking about school shootings, but also include talking about things like Chicago and why gun laws are not working that are already in place in Chicago. We need to have conversations that don't just look at one aspect that is politically convenient but at the entire picture. So, to summarize, we had students that walked out yesterday. I support them in peacefully demonstrating for something they believe in. That said, I think that misinformation on this whole issue is rampant. And, and I wonder if perhaps we might do more good if every student who walked out yesterday has been, had spent as much time reaching out to or sitting with a bullied kid at lunch as they did walking out of their classroom holding signs and slogans. I think it might. 
And I wasn't the only one. In fact, I was really, I was very encouraged to see there were teachers uh, yesterday who, in in contrast to the walk out movement, they, they did a walk up, not out day. They had national school walk up day. And they encouraged people to walk up to the kid who sits alone and ask him to join your group. Walk up to the kid who's never been had or never had a voluntary partner and offer to be his or her partner. Walk up to your teachers, your janitors, your your secretaries and thank them. Walk up to someone and just be nice. And the walk up theme was just as prevalent and I would argue more effective nationwide yesterday than the walk out movement. Because the walk up, the schools that did walk up, those kids actually impacted each other positively. The ones that walked out I'm not saying that they didn't accomplish anything, but the tangible results are not the same. For example, in uh, at the Arbor Preparatory High School, they participated in walk up instead of walk out, and each student was given 17 sticky notes to symbolize the 17 lives lost in Florida, and they were encouraged to leave 14 notes for students and three for adults that would brighten their day. And if you look at the pictures from the school and the locker rooms and the classroom doors and the desks, there's, there's not a single empty one. Not one kid was left out. Not one kid was missed. And you know how encouraging that would be. If you went to your locker and it's covered with four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or more sticky notes, just with encouraging notes from your fellow students or your teachers or your, or your sports uh, or your teammates. That is a cool movement. That's the movement that can make a difference. That will be more effective at actually instituting change in our schools. Walking up instead of walking out. I I love that. Because here's why. Change doesn't happen in Washington, D.C. Change happens in our hearts. If you want to change classrooms, Betsy DeVos isn't the answer. Gun laws aren't the answer. Your fellow students... And your relationships with your fellow students. That is the answer. And we will return in a moment. All right, it's Women's History Month. I've been waiting. (laughs) I've been waiting to talk about this because I, I have some sarcastic things to say that I've been longing to say. But also some really good stuff as well. So, <laughs> so, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a lighter 
topic for me than what we were just talking about. And I always like when we can transition and have a show where we have something that's kind of deep and heavy and oh, and then something that's more encouraging and lighthearted. And, uh, and, and that I can actually, you know, because I'm a woman, I'm allowed to talk about Women's History Month. I love when this happens because it doesn't happen very often where it's like, you can't get mad at me for saying this because I am one of these people. <laughs> All right. I need to calm down a little bit. We're going to start with this. Gina Haspel has been nominated as the CIA's first female director ever in history. So if you want to talk women's history, this is a good place to start. I think that it's unintentional. I don't believe that the president was like, oh, it's Women's History Month. So let me, therefore, nominate a female director of the CIA. No, I, I really don't think that that happened. But it's just it's just how it worked out. Gina Haspel... I'd never heard of her, and you probably hadn't either, which is a good thing. I, I mean, if, you, if you've if you worked for the CIA for 30 years and you're like a super spy in charge of super spies, it's probably a good thing that we don't know who you are. That means you're probably doing your job really well. So, five things that you should know about, uh, about Haskell. She was with the CIA for more than 30 years. She joined the CIA in 1985. Um... She was sworn in as the deputy director of the CIA last February, became the first woman to hold that position, is now going to be most likely, uh, after she's confirmed, the first female director of the CIA. She ran the CIA's first ever overseas detention site. This is probably where a lot of the of her hearing questions will come into play uh, because she was in charge of various sites where waterboarding was taking place. And I'm not going to get into waterboarding today and my thoughts about that. But uh, regardless, um, she was in charge of sites that, that did that. She's well-respected by former intelligence officers on both sides of the aisle. She's been praised uh, by those who served under uh, Obama and as well as those who have served under George W. Bush and under uh, President Trump currently. Uh, She's held several top positions in Washington. She was deputy director for the National Clandestine Service, deputy director of the National Clandestine Service for Foreign Intelligence and Covert Action, and she's won all kinds of awards, including the George H.W. Bush Award for Excellence in Counterterrorism. That would be George H.W. Bush. I threw in the H there so that there wouldn't be confusion. The Donovan Award, the Distinguished Career Intelligence Medal, and the Presidential Rank Award, which recognizes individuals for exceptional performance over an extended period of time. In other words, this lady is super accomplished, super spy, super cool woman that once she is gone, we will probably make a movie about because I'm sure there are things that we could make a movie about because she just, she seems amazing. Just overall, her accomplishments as a woman, if you want to talk Women's History Month, this lady, I regardless of how you feel about waterboarding or whatever else, just the fact that she has done what she has done and achieved what she has achieved in the world that she has done it in, to me, is incredible. And I think, you know, when we think about women in history, at least from the perspective where we are today... Uh, and the and the point that we live at in history, I think we tend to think women like Joan of Arc or Marie Antoinette, for different reasons, or Amelia Earhart, whose remains, by the way, have apparently been located yet again. We're 99% sure that these ones are actually hers. Okay, in case you were wondering. 
um, or we think of those involved in the in the women's lib movement or the women of the nineteen of the Roaring Twenties and of of all of that. That's what we think of when we think women's history. Here's what it is. Votes for women, step in time. Is no one else concerned, by the way, about how that aspect of the story might be retold in the live action Mary Poppins? No? Okay, moving on. But these are the these are the women that when when our culture presents to us, but women's history month. These are the women that get plastered and put up and pushed forward and we're like, these, America, shall be your heroes. And I'm not saying that Joan of Arc and Amelia Earhart didn't do pretty cool things. They did. I'm not saying that Oprah Winfrey doesn't have a great story. She does. But I prefer... Women like Harriet Tubman or Margaret Thatcher or Elizabeth Elliot. Harriet Tubman was an abolitionist, a union spy, a freer of slaves, an incredibly, amazingly, just awesome woman who made 19 trips into the southern states prior to and during the Civil War, led over 300 slaves to freedom, never lost a single one. That is incredible. And what'd she say? She said, "'Twasn't me, twas the Lord. I always told him, I trust you. I don't know where to go or what to do, but I expect you to lead me, and he always did. She said, "'Every dream begins with a great—or every great dream, rather, begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars and to change the world.'" remarkable woman then there's margaret thatcher stateswoman world changer speaker of truth her influence in the public sphere and on our president ronald reagan himself just stellar and by the way i never knew that women could be knighted until i started studying margaret thatcher an incredible woman who was you know knighted the facts of life are conservative she would say if you set out to be liked you would be prepared to compromise on anything at any time and you would achieve Nothing. The truths of the Judaic Christian tradition are infinitely precious, she said, not only as I believe because they are true, but also because they provide the moral impulse which alone can lead to that peace in the true meaning of the word for which we all long. There is little hope for democracy if the hearts of men and women in democratic societies cannot be touched by a call to something greater than themselves. She also was the one that said, Watch your thoughts, for they will become actions. Watch your actions, for they'll become habits. Watch your habits, for they will forge your character. And watch your character, for it will make your destiny. What we think, we become. An incredible woman, Margaret Thatcher. One of my heroes. Or how about Elizabeth Elliot? You know, we often tell the story of Nate Sate and Jim Elliott as well we should, but what of the wives and the children they left behind? What about these absolutely amazing women who went to the very people who murdered their husbands and shared with them the love of Jesus and transformed an entire uh, culture of people? Elizabeth Elliot said, The fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. That's so good. She said, if we really have too much to do, there are some items on the agenda which God did not put there. 
Let us submit the list to him and ask him to indicate which items we must delete. There is always time to do the will of God. If we are too busy to do that, we are too busy. She also said, today is mine. Tomorrow is none of my business. If I peer anxiously into the fog of the future, I will strain my spiritual eyes so that I will not see clearly what is required of me now. Those are some of my favorite quotes from some of my favorite women in history. And I'm not taking anything away from the feats of Joan of Arc or Amelia Earhart or the women of the Roaring Twenties who fought for women's suffrage and our right to vote and all of this. I'm I'm not taking anything away from them. But I think if you compare the lives and the work of women like Thatcher and Tubman and Elliot to much of what's being pushed as, quote, women's rights today, the, the, the difference is stark and startling. So personally, when I look for role models... When I think of women in history, I, I don't just take the women that our culture puts up on a pedestal and says, these shall be thy heroes. No, I, I look at ladies like these and the three of them will be close to the top of my list for my favorite women in history. But Gladys Outward has always been my number one. I read her by auto or no, it was just biography, The Small Woman. I was probably 16 years old and it changed my young life and instilled in me, along with countless other missions books my parents procured for me. But the small woman uh, gave me a passion to not simply make a difference in the world, but to make a difference for Jesus. And Gladys Alward did both. Gladys Alward was just five years younger than Amelia Earhart, a contemporary of hers. And while all the world is familiar with Earhart, I'm amazed at how many, uh, even Christians, don't know even the basic story of Gladys Alward. So I'm going to give you the basic story, and then I want you to go and do some reading, do some research, find out about this lady. Because Gladys went to China as a single female missionary when doing anything as a single female was still fairly taboo. Right? She was born into a poor Christian family in England. She had to drop out of school when she was 14 years old. And started working as a maid. She saved her own money, her maid money, to take herself as a self-supporting missionary to China when she was 28 years old. So she goes in, she buys a one-way ticket, and she went. And in China, she was instrumental in ending the Chinese foot-binding tradition for girls. She rescued over 100 children from invading Japanese troops during World War II, or just prior to World War II, I believe. She was a spy for the Chinese during the war, and such a good one that the Japanese had a price on her head for anyone who would kill her and bring her body to them. She was the first missionary to China, a Western missionary to China ever to become a Chinese citizen. And she didn't, she didn't go there... She didn't go there with the intention of becoming the hero of women and ending the binding of of girls' feet. She didn't go there to become a a hero who would lead a hundred children to safety. She didn't go there to become a spy. No, she went there because she loved Jesus and because she knew that that was what God wanted her to do and so she did it. She said of her time in China, 
this uh, just an incredible woman. She said, quote, I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done in China. I don't know who it was. It must have been a man, a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Perhaps he died. Perhaps he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Alward, and God said, well, she's willing. She's willing. That's just, that's incredible to me. It's amazing. This woman's story, if you've never read it, you need to read the biography of Gladys Alward called A Small Woman. It is so good. Your girls, your daughters, your sisters need to read this book. And these are the women. Women like Tubman and Alward. Women who dedicated their lives to serving others. These are the women that we ought to remember during Women's History Month. I'm going to caveat here a little bit to say this. These are the women we ought to remember if we remember any. (laughs) And what do I mean by that? Honestly, when I first found out it was Women's History Month, I laughed. I didn't know we even had a Women's History Month. I mean, I, I get it. You know, women have had to fight for many of the rights that we have today. And there are women around the world that are still oppressed in, in horrific ways. And suffrage was a big thing, uh, which today has warped into the twisted women's lib movement. But I just, most of these things like this that we celebrate, I don't understand. I just don't get it. I mean, do we, do we really need a Women's History Month? Do men get a History Month? Or is every month apparently Men's History Month? You know how like when you were growing up and it would be Mother's Day or Father's Day and you'd be like, why isn't there a Kid's Day? And they'd be like, because every day is Kid's Day. Well, they didn't say it like that. They would just be like, because every day is Kid's Day. And you were like, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't, we don't have a Men's History Month that I know of. I honestly, I, I know this will probably get me in trouble. I'm not really sure how because I am a woman, but I don't understand why I need a Woman's History Month to appreciate great women of the past. I don't need a Men's History Month to celebrate great men of the past. I don't need a, a Homeschoolers History Month to celebrate great homeschoolers of the past. Or, or You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand why we need a Women's History Month, but as a woman, I just I feel it's unnecessary. And here's the bottom line of why I feel it's unnecessary. Because we leave out the best part of the story. The real history of women. Our culture leaves it out completely. The real history of women runs parallel to the history of man. The fact that we have men and women today is one of the greatest wonders of creation. It's something that evolutionists still haven't agreed upon how to explain because having men and women defies the evolutionary process. But if you really want to talk about women's history, it's easy. It starts in the Garden of Eden where God makes man, Adam, and this dude, he lives in a perfect world in a perfect body and the man is not happy. I mean, seriously, he literally owns the world and it's not enough for him. That, I, mm-hmm, okay, that's all I'm going to say there. What was missing in his life was woman, who God created as man's other half to complete him, if you will. And that's not, we can't even say that today or it's, 
it's an issue. We can't even say that in many Christian circles or it's an issue. But that's where women's history begins. And if we take away that foundation of of who women are and, and the beauty of our creation, I'm not saying that women are less than men. No, not at all. I'm saying what God is saying. And what God said is that man wasn't happy and basically he couldn't survive without woman. So God made Eve to be Adam's helpmeet to complete him. And the rest is history. But if you erase the creation story, if you eliminate gender, if you reach a point where you say that there's no differences between men and women and that men and women are are essentially the same, then how can you even have a Women's History Month to begin with? Because if men and women aren't actually different, if you can be any gender you want at any time, regardless of how God made you, then we should really do away with this thing called women his, Women's History Month, should we not? Or if we're going to keep it and have Caitlyn Jenner as part of it, then we probably need to update the Olympic record to show that a woman won in the men's uh, diathlon or whatever it was. Also, if you want to talk women's rights and have an actual discussion of women's history, then let's talk about the transgender adult male who's currently competing in female wrestling and continuing to steal championships from female high school wrestlers, which I will never understand female wrestling to begin with, but... That's a thing. Let's talk about how biological men want access to the locker rooms and bathrooms used by your daughters. You want to talk about women's rights and women's history? We're living in a time when women's rights have never been more threatened. Not necessarily because of trafficking or abuse or a patriarchal society, but because now, today, unlike any other time in history, our world, and in particular American culture, is destroying womanhood. We are degrading womanhood. When we say that anyone born a man can be a woman if he feels that way, that is an affront to women. That is dangerous to women. When we say that men who feel like women should have access to women's locker rooms, that is abusive to women. So, if you want to celebrate Women's History Month, please join me in celebrating women like Tubman and Alward. Give your girls their biographies and their autobiographies to read and inspire them to do great things. Give your boys their biographies to read and to teach them to admire women who love Jesus and dedicate their lives to serving him. But if you're just celebrating women's history with a hashtag or a hat tip to our quote-unquote modern ways, then you better realize that you're living in an era where women are devalued and degraded by false beliefs that we are no different than men. And if we're in fact no different, then there's no need for a month to celebrate our history. It's just not logical. It doesn't make sense. So yes, I I, I don't know how else to, to summarize it other than God did an incredible thing when he made women. God did an incredible thing when he made women. But if you take God out of the picture, if you eliminate the creation account, and you're not willing to recognize that men and women are different, equal, yeah, sure, in so many ways. But different. 
men and women are different. We used to understand this. It used to be a pretty basic concept. Even little boys and girls on playgrounds. Oh, he has cooties. Six-year-olds understand this, that boys and girls are different. Because God made us different. Because we're not the same. And in a world where in every other aspect we want to celebrate our differences, when it comes to men and women, we want to erase the differences. Say there is none. But if there's no difference, then there's no Women's History Month. Because there's no difference between men and women. So we might as well just make it Men's History Month. It can be Caitlyn Jenner and Bruce Jenner all at the same time. Then you don't need... It's, it, it's counterproductive. So, again... Join me in celebrating Women's History Month by remembering and looking at and studying and reading about great women of the past. If that's Joan of Arc, that's fine. If that's Amelia Earhart, that's fine. But if you want some awesome ladies to read about, read about women like Elizabeth Elliot and Gladys Alward and Harriet Tubman and women that just literally saved lives and changed the world because they were dedicated not to saving the world, but to following Jesus. And because they devoted their lives to him, he was able to use them to make a difference like no one could have imagined. And that's, that's, that's all I have to say. I have run out of time and uh, I've, I've run out of stories. Actually, I haven't run out of stories. I have so many stories on my pending story list. It's... I they often become too old to talk about by the time I get around to being able to talk about them. But tomorrow is Friday. And if you're not into politics and you're not into heavy stuff and you're like, oh, can we just listen to the music? Tomorrow is your day. Because tomorrow on Fridays on my program, we just talk about fun things, crazy things, things that really don't, uh, I don't want to say they don't matter because there is an application for everything, really, if you look hard enough. Even the fact that Pi Day was yesterday, but I'm not going to go there. But it'll, be, it'll just be fun. It's just like family time on Fridays here at KVXL 101.1 FM, and I'm going to be giving something away. I think tomorrow I'm actually going to give away a whole gift basket. Yes, a gift basket full of martial arts stuff and... If your child has ever wanted to do martial arts, I believe it's a one-month free martial arts lessons membership thing-ish that I'm going to give away tomorrow. Because that's what we do on Fridays here. Give things away. And we have fun. So I, <laughs> I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Same time, same place here on KVXL. And I hope that you'll join us on Sunday for our services in the morning, either at 9.30 or 11.15, or Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. If you can't be here in person, you can join us online. Just visit experienceliberty.com. And that's it. We're going to end with Project Veritas and their song, The Hand that holds the storm. See you tomorrow.